What's up, guys? Welcome to the B&D podcast. Um, I guess just for an intro, the B&D podcast is kind of a branch off of Broken Dirty Motorsports along with uh, B&D Outdoors. We just started B&D Outdoors. Um, will that be two weeks ago now? And... It's really just a, just a hunting series um, that we're going to film and put on YouTube. So we actually have one one video out right now, so make sure to go check that out and uh, let me know what you think of it. But as of right now, um, I guess we'll get right into it. Um, some topics I want to cover today is the October winds. Um, I want to talk about scent control. Um, I want to talk about uh, last week and the uh, encounter I had with shooting a doe um, and then shooting another doe, but that doe we have not found. And then I want to get into what the future is and the bucks that we have on camera. So, October wins. Um, a lot of people think of October as, you know, the October lull, which is pretty famously known as, but, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, but especially now, um, I guess with the year that we're having, um, in October, if, for my knowledge, I guess, but I think that if you can get on the stand in October and you have night pictures of you know, your trophy buck or your shooter bucks on camera, I think your odds greatly increase with either an early October cold front or super heavy October winds. Um, I have this theory. Obviously, I don't have research or anything, but just from my knowledge, I feel that in October... You know, vegetation is still relatively thick and green, especially this year. I feel like this year, the, I guess the change of colors are way behind. So right now, if you can get out and hunt a super strong wind in October, primarily during a cold front, I feel like those big buck, big bucks will get up and be moving in the afternoons or during uh, midday. Because in October, with the heavy veg, I feel that when you get those strong winds and they're in their bedding, obviously it all pertains to situation, but in their bedding, if they have really thick cover around them and it's still very, very green, you get those strong winds and it's almost like a distraction or a cover. When you get those strong winds and they're in that thick veg, you know, they can't see as they would in, say, the fall when there's a strong wind. I feel like it's two different scenarios when you get into, like, November, when all the colors change and all the leaves are dropped. You know, they can be in their bedding, have that strong wind, and they'll still be able to see a greater distance than they'll probably be able to see, like, right now in October. Um, today is October 12th, and I can tell you right now that the veg is still standing strong and it's pretty thick. 
So I think that in early October, I feel like those strong winds tend to scare mature deer out of the woods just because you get those strong winds and the limited sight that, um, you know, it just, it like mass. If there is any predators in the area, you get those strong winds and they can't really hear as well as, and see as well as they can like November when you get a strong wind. So that's just my theory. I don't know if it's true, but from what I've seen and just things that I've heard, I feel like there's some truth behind it. So yeah, so make sure from from my perspective to get out and hunt October winds. I feel like you may benefit from them. Obviously plan accordingly for the right winds so you're not going into the stand and blowing it up. So on the next subject, scent. Scent control. This topic goes in many different directions. Um, everyone has their own thoughts on it. Um, I guess my two cents, and me and my brother just talked about this the other day, but my two cents on it is that scent control, obviously, it pretty if you have your scent control dialed in, all it can do is help you. Um, and that could be anywhere from, you know, just your trek into the woods. If you have scent control down, and you're pretty much scent free, you know, your odds greatly increase. Um, in the stand, if you have scent control dialed in, your odds greatly increase. If also there's a doe downwind or a buck downwind, you know, if you have scent control dialed, the chances of them um, pegging you are much lower. I'm not saying that they can't happen, but your odds are lower. So me and Dylan were talking the other day and he, as some of you may have seen in the YouTube video, he puts on uh, that nose jammer vanilla scent. Um, and we had different views on it. Um, he thinks that deer love vanilla scent. And I think it's just a mask for if you don't have scent control. So I don't use it because my theory is that when you go in the woods and you're hunting a wild animal, you want to be as undetectable as possible. And I feel like the only way you can do that is with proper scent control. Um, this year I just moved over to the phase system, obviously not sponsored. Um, but so far it's worked. I've had, many deer downwind of me um from the two sits that i've sat i've probably seen 35 to 40 deer and i've had probably 40 to 50 percent of them be downwind of me for for an extended period of time and none of them batted an eye none of them got a wind um i use their laundry detergent washed all my clothes i always shower before i go out with the phase system um, my towel that I use has been thrown in the washer with the phase. Um, I haven't used a field foam yet just cause I don't feel like I have the need for it, especially if I just showered and say I'm going 
um, on our property. It's only a 200 yard uh, walk into my stand. So obviously not going to get too sweaty. And then I also wear a face mask. So if I do have any skin exposed, um, I feel like my scent isn't that great that it's going to interrupt that much. So, but on my hands, I do use their lotion just because my hands are exposed the whole time. So, and I just use the, oh, the gator, then face covering just for extra warmth and stuff. So, and to, you know, just break up my, my face outline a little bit, but yeah, but I feel like if you ever scent control dialed in, it's going to greatly improve everything that you do, especially trying to be, in my theory, as undetectable as possible when you go into the woods and you hunt these wild animals. Now, there are a lot of uh, different scents out there. There's a lot of attractants, a lot of that stuff. I feel like that stuff can be <coughs> definitely beneficial, but I feel like some certain things like per se the nose jammer, I feel like if you were out in the field, I feel like you should bring that with you. Um, and you should put scent killer like on the bottom of your boots when you walk out just so that it helps keep the scent away so they can't, you know, just trap you in. But I feel like if you do bring that nose jammer out, you should have it in the tree with you and then spray it like upwind to you. So if the wind so say you're in a stand facing south, you want to spray that nose jammer on the north side of you for a north wind. So that scent comes from behind you, comes through you, and then drips down. So it pretty much is like a mass. So if they do happen to get your scent, they also can smell that nose jammer, but it's behind you, it's not on you. I feel like that's just a better way to do it and then focus on getting your clothes as scent free as possible but in that case i feel like you should always put any attractant or anything like downwind of you but i could be wrong i don't know i'm just free balling here so anyway on the next subject we got um the hunt that we had on the youtube channel from last week um, so yeah, me and Dylan went out the one day, um, it was our first sit out and we ended up seeing just an assload of deer, which was very unexpected because our trail cameras, we would get like maybe one picture of one deer a day, if that, and also we go out there and there's 25 deer out there and I, I should have showed it on the video, but when we checked the cameras, or I guess we had the reveal cam, so when we got any sort of picture from that night when we were sitting out there, so there's 25 deer in the field, we had one deer on camera. So, that doesn't make sense to me. But it could be set up of the cameras, something like that, I don't know. But So it was very shocking and relieving that we go out there and there's just an assload of deer. So that was awesome. So we we're trying to keep that as undisturbed as possible. Um, so yeah, I ended up shooting a doe off our property and then literally 
I think it was like two minutes and 56 seconds later, um, I ended up taking a shot at another doe. And as, as you can see in the video, it sounded like decent contact, but when the deer ran off, it only ran like not even 50 yards straight across from me through the field. So I could see it the whole time. And then it just dead stopped and just sat there for like five seconds and then just slowly, slowly walked. And then it showed no signs of, you know, gonna die soon. No signs of being shot. It was super, super weird. And you can see in the video, I put my hand up and I literally just say it like, what the hell? So that caught me super off guard. I thought I made a good shot on it. Um, I remember when I let the arrow go and I seen it impact the deer, I'm pretty sure I've seen it impact the deer, but it looks like just like a puff. So I don't know if I hit in the lung and it was air that you could kind of see come out or if I just, I hit it high or I hit it low. It's just, I don't know. I couldn't really tell, especially that was my first time ever self filming up in the sand. So it was chaotic. I did not ex <laughs> expect it to be like that. So. I don't know, there's just so much going on. I thought I made a super ethical shot on it, um, but we just, we searched and searched for two days straight and could not find it. Uh, we had decent blood until the last blood, um, a good 50 yards before that, it just got super, super scarce and we're in the thickest part of our woods and it was just uh, so hard to keep up where it was going, so. We found last blood and it pretty much opened up to our neighbor's bean field. So, and it showed really no signs of like turning around or anything like that. So we thought, all right, so either we call the neighbor and ask for permission to go on the property. Um, we walked up to the edge and, you know, you could kind of look out, but couldn't see anything, couldn't see any blood that entered the bean field, nothing like that, no tracks. Um, so we were just clueless, absolutely clueless. And then when we walked up, there's a big ditch that runs north and south. We walked that whole thing and just scanned. We walked through our entire woods for two days straight. So we pushed a lot of deer out, a lot of deer. But, and we haven't sat out there yet, so hopefully, they're still out there, but so that sucked. So yeah, we came back, called my, called my aunt, um, for all of our racing stuff. She does all like the videoing. So she has a good majority of all of her GoPro equipment. Um, and she actually has a GoPro drone, the Karma. So she brought that over and we flew that up over the bean field. We were out there. We went out there on two separate charges of the, the drone battery and just scanned and scanned and could not find a single thing. So I'm hoping that the deer's okay. I, it's, it, you know, it's, it just sucks. You never want that to happen. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to, trying to move past that. I've been, um, just looking from the house every single day cause we can kind of see where we hunt out there and where the deer maybe ended up and you can see from a distance that you know if there was maybe a dead deer 
Uh, we haven't heard coyotes at all. We haven't seen crows flying over. So signs tell me that maybe she's still alive. I hope to God she is. Because that would just, uh, it just hurts. So, yeah. And then moving on to future stuff, I guess. Um, I guess through the summer months and... It really fell off this last month, but now we have one of the deer back. Um, we have two main shooter bucks on camera. We have Fork and Crab. So Fork is just a, he's real tall, um, I think a 10 or 11 pointer. And he's not, not super wide, but um, real tall rack. Looks like a super mature deer, so. That's one of them. That's the one that we've had on camera the most, I would say. Um, but the other one, Crab, he's ginormous. He's got to be probably pushing five, maybe five years old, I would guess. But he has a, the Crab Claw in the front. I guess, yeah, the fork has on his G2, there's a fork off of it. So that's what we call him fork. But, um, and then crab, he has a, a crab claw off his main beam in the front, I think on the left side. But he's a tall rack, wide. He's probably 18 to 20 inches wide. Just perfect, beautiful deer. But we've only had a select few pictures of him. And God, I want that thing so bad. So I also need to go back out there and check the camera pretty soon where we got him. But so yeah. That's our two deer that we got. We're kind of trying to go after them. Um, nothing super steady on them guys yet. So just pretty much waiting it out, uh, trying to take out on does this year. In years past, we've never really shot in does off our property. Uh, pretty much just buck hunted. Um, but now we wanted some meat for, you know, during like late bow season, gun season. So now we're trying to build management a little bit give some meat out to a family and stuff like that so and i like doing that i love hunting so it's awesome but i mean not when you lose a deer that sucks so yeah we've been hunting i've been trying to find a shit ton of public land that i can hunt um asking some buddies and relatives people that we know for hunting permission stuff like that so really venturing into new areas which i like a lot really started to dabble into public land hunting last year and I loved it everything about it um, especially just from watching all the YouTube videos you know that's where I learned a lot a lot of stuff um, within the last three years like my knowledge on hunting has gone up by 120 percent I feel like so just watching those videos and then entering those public areas and actually just scouting and having a decent idea of kind of what you're looking for is a huge, huge help, especially when it comes to your home range. Then you can really key in on certain spots that, you know, you have a better idea of maybe where they bed, travel routes, everything like that. So super awesome. But yeah, I guess this is episode one of the podcast. Um, I'm Tyson Markwart. And I guess later on, probably once I can finally convince him, because he's being kind of a putz about it, but my brother, 
he's gonna probably gonna hop on here too. Uh, Dylan Marquardt. So, and then we also got our other buddy Craig Cabbage Puberty, the Lena legend. Uh, super awesome guy. One of our best friends we've had for a long, long time. Really introduced me more into hunting. Um, introduced me into the weight room. A lot of that stuff. We've literally done everything together. He's one of our crew guys on the race team. Super awesome dude. Um, so yeah, he'll probably be on here and he's got some great stories. So he'll always have something to say. So you guys will like that a lot. I guarantee it. But yeah, this is episode one of the B&D podcast. And uh, thanks for listening and happy hunting.